Bless you. Let's just cover this in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord. We thank you, Father, that you give me the unction of the Holy Spirit to be precise, to, Father, be able to assimilate it all together in a quick fashion, and that most of all, that our hearts and spirits receive that which you have for us, even in a time of change. Most of all, Lord, we bless you, and we thank you that you not only guide us and keep us, but you're with us and in us and leading us step by step, directing our paths and everything that we do with a few contingencies. We thank you for that, Lord. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you. Welcome again to those of you who are here. Thank you for being here. Um, we have a special guest. Did you introduce our guest? Would you please? Would you stand up, please? I want to honor you, Pastor. And Pastor, uh, D Pastor Rick yep. and Jan Mason from Columbus, Ohio. Tremendous people we of honor God, you. We are so God. thankful that you are here with Been us. Thank serving you. Serving the Lord diligently for many years. And uh, you look younger than I do. I don't know what the story is with that one. But, but uh, for many years, they have a wonderful family. They've got some beautiful children in the quiver. Uh, one who's got a call on his life to plant a church. We want to bless him and, and thank you for him. And uh, one that's far away over in Korea. And another one who likes to play with big boys toys, flying drones and stuff like that. Uh, sophisticated stuff. So we just bless you with all of that. Well, I had uh, reached out and sent you a blast as I was asking the Lord what to do. And I reached all the way back to an old clause that uh, I remember reading in magazines that my older brother left around our house. And uh, it was, so what me worry, if you remember, Alfred E. Newman, right? The Mad Magazine, at that time it was considered to be something very rogue. And uh, I don't know how he got it in the house, but he did. And my response to that was, no, we don't worry, because first of all, change is inevitable, right? Change is inevitable. In fact, it's one of the most certain things that's a fact of life. We're going to go through change. We start changing from the moment we're born. And it depends on which lens we look through. That's how we accept change. That's how we process change. That's how we either embrace change and succeed, or we, we wallow in fear or doubt or perplexity and insecurity and try to resist change or run away from it or to change change. How many of you have tried to change the change? And it uh, hasn't worked too well, has it? Um, but this thing I know for sure, and that is that in Christ we're all a new creation, correct? 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A couple consistent points uh, and themes in this message. One is, is that God is a God of change. And so if you're in him, and even if you're not in him, you are not going to be able to avoid change in your life. Change is not only inevitable, it's healthy. And um, I know some of you here have had dramatic changes in your life. Uh, I know the pastor we just honored, Pastor Rick. He, he's, he was a very, very accomplished uh, dentist. In fact, he went further than that. A specialist in his field, the call of God came on his life, and he changed, much to his uh, uh, um, dis dismay after so many years of, 
training to become who he was, all of that was was a preparation for who he is to become and was to become. It's the same for you and I. Change is inevitable. And so I want to, you to consider these things. First of all, uh, every person is destined to experience, even from the conception, the moment that you've been conceived, to death, dramatic changes. There are seven stages of human life that are typically looked at as people determine that in their specialties. Uh, just for your information, they would include what? Pregnancy. Pregnancy, there's conception, there's infancy. Then you have the toddler years. How many have experienced toddler years with your children? You, you, you love them, but you also want them to get past the toddler years. And, uh, and, and then there's childhood. And then there's puberty. Well, puberty is, you know, that's another difficult one, especially if you had three daughters like I did. And then you have older adolescence. And then you have adulthood. And then you have middle age. How about the middle age crises? And then, finally, you, you are in your senior age. Um, and we do proper things as we get through there, and we do improper things as we get through there. So I want us to ask these questions, and we're going to answer them as quickly as we can today. And it's, how do you enter into change? And who are you? when you enter into change. Are you that person before or during, or do you come out afterwards? And next, the answer to the question is also a question, are you in him and is he in you? Are you in him, who, the Lord, and is he in you? And then what path do you acknowledge that you're on? Now, as a nation, uh, we seem to be on a very, very wayward path. It uh, doesn't matter what side of the pendulum you sit on, 50% of the nation isn't happy. 50% of the nation is, is, has a lot of anxiety. Uh, people are so passionate about it that it breaks out in, in interruptions of violence and of, of insurrection and anarchy and, and at the very least uh, passionate protests. Uh, very, very unhappy. Well, we also know that let's not judge the world lest we be judged, which we need to do ourselves. Judgment begins in the house of God. The body of Christ is very, very confused. The body of Christ has not come to unity at all. Um, those are my Catholic brothers and sisters. I'm sure you're as chagrined and astonished uh, as I am with the comment of this Pope Francis, whom I was suspect of all along, who recently just came out a couple days ago and he embraced same-sex union. Same-sex union. And I know a lot of my Catholic friends are traumatized. And I know there are priests and bishops who are traumatized. They don't know what to do. He just put a schism in that faith that I don't think will heal very well whatsoever. Um, and so we are in that place of perplexity where we need to understand and know not only who we are, but what we can do in these times of crises and change. Uh, we understand that during Jesus' earthly realm, the people that he was ministering to, pay attention to this, they were spiritually dead. They were all spiritually dead. There wasn't one born again, not a one. And so they weren't able to process things the, the way that we are equipped to process things, which then makes us wonder about his words that he spoke to this group of blind and deaf people. 
And what was their level of faith? And what did he mean about faith? And why is the faith message that he preached maybe contrasted to the Pauline message, the one that Paul preached? Maybe there's a difference. Are they conflicting with each other? Or possibly are they the same but building upon one and the other? This environment that Jesus was in, I think the greatest miracle of all for us Those of us who have become born again, who've accepted the Spirit of God, who know Him, the greatest consolation we have, the greatest encouragement we have is that He never conformed to His environment. He attempted to always bring them up to another level of faith. And no matter what the opinions were, no matter what the agents of conflict were against him, no matter how he was resisted, even as Philippians 3.10 said, what, the fellowship of his sufferings? And Hebrews tell us, we have not yet resisted sin unto death like he did. He never conformed. He was always attempting to transform his environment to him. We think about when he came out walking on the water. And uh, you can imagine that to him, that was quasi-natural. Quasi-natural because he was man, but yet he was God. He told the Pharisees and Sadducees, I'm here, but I'm also with my father. So he was living in that mindset that we are to live in, that we're citizens of heaven and on earth. But when we celebrate our citizenship on earth, we begin to sink in the water, even as Peter did. So we get a key in that. And that key is is that we need to embrace and celebrate our citizenship in heaven. We can't celebrate something that, first of all, we don't serve, right? You can't serve as a citizen in a country, a state, or a city unless you are registered. If you're not registered, you have no vote. If you have no vote, you're just receiving the benefits or the problems of the area you live in, but you can't contribute. That's why we need to be able to have our citizenship registered in heaven. So, the Holy Spirit is our agent of change. And we need to understand that the Holy Spirit, even though he might have visited a few in their time and the Holy Spirit was upon them and the Holy Spirit was upon John, they were not yet born again. Not even John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in his lifetime here on earth. Only one, Jesus Christ, filled with the Spirit of God. So the agent of change comes with requirements. And the agent of change, the Holy Spirit, has specific agendas and specific assignments for us and to the Father. Let's look for a moment at 2 Corinthians 3.18. We're going to have a lot of scripture today. If we have it my way, I want to preach through the scripture. And I don't want to just paraphrase. I think it's very important. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we who with unveiled face all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And then of course some translations say being transferred from glory to glory. We also know that there's scriptures that tell us that we're moving from a strength to a strength. We're moving from a faith to a faith. 
Acts tells us, Acts 17, in him we live, we move, we have our being. It's all about moving. It's about going into the place of next as we took that journey coming into the first of the year. And we found out that God was moving us to a massive place of next. And there are minimal increases in the steps we take, and there are large increases in the steps we take. In our lives, we've had some large steps. We've had some smaller steps. One of the largest steps was the Lord putting a hook in our mouths and yanking us down to Miami, throwing us into the best third world country in the world at that time. Nobody spoke English. And, uh, you know, the people drove like they were in Nicaragua or Egypt or somewhere else. And it was a real cultural shock to us. We didn't know anybody, one or two people. We didn't speak the language. And God placed us in a all-speaking Spanish ministry. And, uh, and very shortly, I got appointed. I'm not sure how long it took to be anointed, but I got appointed the English pastor in a Spanish church where nobody spoke English. And so that was a, that was a radical change. And what was our first uh, inclination? After a few months and everything blew up, and uh, the business that I had was absconded, uh, everything was down, we couldn't make enough money to pay the fuel bills, we had a house there, a house here, we had too much over our head, we still had this church, we bought this church, the Lord told us to buy this church and preserve it for Him. And the only thing we did was make payments with it and let other people use it, and some misused it. We have came back a little while ago after, after we had done it, and after we started to re-relocate here in 2011, 2012, we started to run into people who told us they went to church here. And they told us the name of a church that was here that we'd never heard of. And they were here for a year. And they thought we had an agreement with them. I said, no, we had an agreement with him. And we told one person they could use the church. Well, I guess that person, they leased it to other people. So you talk about major changes in your life. And then we had little changes, as you all had, minor changes. But here's the difference. We knew that we were called. And when all else failed, and when everything was clouding on us and pounding down on us, and I remember my wife crying as we came out of a pharmacy to get some medicine for one of our children who had a high fever. And she said, I had Spanish, but I don't know how to speak it anymore. And we, I couldn't speak to that person. And I realized that how hard it was on her, even as hard as it was on me as a mother trying to take care of her children in a foreign land in a place that we didn't fit culturally, in a place that we weren't prepared for in the flesh or mentally. Only one thing worked for us and still works for us and works for you right now. And that is that we were prepared in our hearts by the Spirit of God, but God, but God. And that's the place we need to come to. And that's the place I'd like to help take us to this morning as we go forward. Now, have you considered that the vast majority of the teachings of Christ in the Gospels were prophetic? We don't think of that very often, do we? 
We know he was a prophet, but we don't, we don't register him in our mind as a prophet, but almost everything he taught about faith was looking forward to the moment that he would already have taken care of the sin problem. Because without the sin problem, faith isn't going to work very well, is it? The sin problem needed to be taken care of first, and that wasn't taken care of until he died on the cross, descended from hell, presented his blood as a propitiation for our sins unto the Father, so that what? So that we could come boldly in, so that we could have authority in his name, so that we could be made righteousness because he had been made our sin, that we are made the righteousness of God. You cannot separate being made the righteousness of God from the purity and the potency of faith. A lot of people have faith, but if it's not faith in God's righteousness, then it's faith in other things and in themselves. And that becomes motivational speakers. That becomes those who are believing that if you just do something the right way, that the goodness of what you do or how hard you work at it or how long you persevere at it will have benefits for you. That's a faith, but it's not the kind of a faith that Jesus talked about. It's not the kind of faith that raises somebody from the dead. It's not the kind of faith that helps limbs to grow back on. It's not the kind of faith that takes you or me out of a very, very dark time in our life. Whatever it is, illness, addiction, rejection, death of a loved one suddenly, abandonment, whatever it is, it's the God faith that is lasting and that you can trust. But to be there, to have that, there are requirements for us. I want to you to consider that Jesus, as we know in Hebrews 12, 2, Jesus, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus as what? The author and the finisher. So it's a process. In the Gospels, he elaborated on faith that the Word of God had already been sent to the people of God, or those who would be the people of God, from what? The law and the prophets. And Jesus himself said in John, you had the law and the prophets, and then came John. And from that moment of John, it began to open up a new dispensation. It didn't take a long time. It accelerated very quickly. And we moved from John, who, fulfilled, who was between the law and the prophets, into Jesus, the ecclesia, the birth of the church. Well, beloved, we're in the same moment right now. We're in a type of the John the Baptist, Elijah the Spirit moment. And we're sitting betwixt the church age and the coming king age. Jesus is coming. He's coming much sooner than they thought he was 2,000 years ago when he was coming. We're that much closer. Think of how fast everything sped up. From the moment that John the Baptist began to preach out and cry out in the wilderness. We're not sure of that time, but we do know it wasn't a long time. And his message was inspired by spirit, but not spirit-filled. 
And the people that he baptized were baptized into mitzvahs, into an acknowledgement and an understanding of a lower level of faith, that they needed to do something to become better with God. But the sin problem wasn't solved until Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And at that point, we're now in that same era. We're in that period of time where it's speeding up between the ecclesia with Christ here as, and, and we're developing as the bride and as we're preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. Things are accelerating. And so think of it this way. There were those who were baptized into the lesser faith of John the Baptist. Paul discovered them, didn't he? And they said, Do you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? We don't even know about the Holy Spirit. We were baptized by John. That seems remarkable. There are people in the body of Christ today who are still stuck in the baptism of John. They're still stuck in the religion of baptism. They have yet to understand that once they came up, once they were born again, once their sins were forgiven and washed away, they have become a new creation. And in that new creation, it no longer suffices and is no longer necessary to grasp on to that initial faith that said, I believe in Jesus Christ. We build upon it. We go beyond it. Now our faith must believe that it isn't just a character that we have of religion. It's the essence. It's part of the essence of who we are in God. God is a spirit. Those who worship him must know him in spirit and in truth. If we don't exercise our faith in spirit, we are no different than the ones that Paul discovered. And they said, I, I, I don't know about this Holy Spirit. I was baptized in that other thing, that other thing. I was reading something by some of the old writers in the last couple days. I like to read the old writers for some reason. And I realized that the major message of the evangelist, not, a, not even now some, but not as much as it was, but major man, was all about forgiveness of sin. And they gave the same message, whether it was to born-again believers or to those that were unsaved. Beloved, the church doesn't do well once we're saved and doing well to keep getting a message about being forgiven for sin. We need to get over that. We need to accept that. We need to come to the maturity of ourselves. I liken it unto this. You, we went through the stages of life. A child is born and that child is helpless. That child needs everything to be taken care of it. When that child dirties, somebody else has to clean it up. And finally they get trained and everybody goes, hallelujah. The diaper bill is over with. Unfortunately, the diaper bill in the church is still being paid. And God is calling us to a new awareness. And he's been doing it for a while. And we've had extremes in it, haven't we? We've had extremes in messages where it's faith and faith only. Where it's grace and grace only. Where it's love and love only. Where it's repentance and repentance only. I know people who spend their whole lives repenting. God bless them. God bless them. But isn't it somewhat alarming that you get stuck in that rut? It means that you've never really accepted or got beyond the fact that we are full of the grace of God. That God has enough grace that he's already forgiven us. That when Christ died for those sins, he also died for the sins that we still fumble and bumble. Yes, we must confess our sins, but he's just to forgive them. 
but he doesn't want to hear about them every day over and over and over and over. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. Very interesting. Very interesting. I want to draw this comparison for you. Let's draw a contrast between Jesus and Paul's teaching on faith. You may have never heard this before. You might even say, "Uh uh-oh, where's he going? Is this something I better hurry up and run out of the church for? Uh, Is he starting a cult? What is going on? Well, listen to this a moment. You know I love to dig into the Word of God. Jesus called on the unborn to have faith in God and to believe. Did he not? 2 Corinthians 5, 16 tells us that therefore from now on, this is Paul's impression of that, starting in 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to that flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. We don't know him that way any longer. We don't know him according to that word that was not received by those in the flesh because it was a prophetic word that was set for after the cross. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now all things are of God who is reconciled to himself through Jesus Christ and given us this ministry of reconciliation. Now, let's not deal with all things. We don't have enough time. Let's deal with faith. That faith, that type of faith that said, okay, I'm going to take a bold step. I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to have enough faith to say, Jesus Christ, you're my Lord. That's faith. And you've often heard me say many times, that's wonderful. And I'm impressed for the person and happy for them when they get saved. But then for me, it's over with. Because really, I look at it this way. They had a 50-50 shot, either yes or no. Accept Jesus or don't accept Jesus. Flip the coin, if you will. I'm not going to listen to somebody's testimony of how they got saved 40 years after they got saved. Sorry, not interested. And if all I did was give you my testimony of how I was saved every day, this church, I would hope, would be empty. I would hope you say, I want to eat some meat. I want to get beyond this. Talk to me about a faith that's alive for today. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, not the testimony of how we got saved, a living testimony of faith that's working and acting right now. That's the overcoming faith. And so all the words that Jesus gave us, all of those wonderful ways that he taught us of how to pray and what to accept, they would not have any potency if it wasn't for the fact that we've been born again. Mark 9:23 Jesus said to the father that asked for the healing of his child all things are possible for him that believes well that father couldn't heal him that father didn't understand it that father relied on Jesus physically and spiritually to do it but Jesus took it a step farther he said I'm going to go to the father and I'm going to send you one who is greater than I am the holy spirit is the agent of that activism And you shall ask things in my name, and the Father shall do it for you. There's a big difference in that faith. There's a big difference in that faith. That faith that says we believe in God, that's good. But how about the demons that believe in God? They're not in God, and God's not in them, but they believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, don't send us away. Put us in the pigs. 
put us in the pigs because we know you can. And, and he did. And I thought Jesus probably winked after he did because, you know, he was a Jew and he put him in something that was unkosher. <laughs> it was unclean. Okay, you want to be with pigs? <laughs> Jesus always wins, doesn't he? He's so smart. They can't outsmart Jesus. Nothing anybody does can outsmart Jesus. He already knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the living Word. He understands that book of life. He knows it from before it opened and before it closed. He knows who's in there and who isn't in there. He knows every footstep of your life. Good, bad, and ugly. And the faith that He unlocks for us is the faith that says, Lord, Lord, Yes, I am a child of God. I once was a sinner. I once was blind, but now I can see. Isn't it sad when you have to hear testimonies from Christians in churches or even from their pastors that say we're all sinners? No, I'm not a sinner. I used to be a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That's who he made me to be. And I am not going to conform and trade that off to any teaching of any person who hasn't yet understood the higher faith. The higher faith that I am a child of God. That higher faith that Christ prayed on his way to the cross in John 17. And he said, Father, I want them to be one. One. You think Jesus is one with sin? Do you think that the Spirit of Jesus can at all fellowship with sin in the pure Spirit of God? Absolutely not. And without faith, you can't please God. It's just not the faith in believing that God is. It's the faith that God has given us to believe that we can and we shall do all things through Christ who's in us and strengthens us. Amen. And so we see these words of Jesus. They're prophetic and they're good to build upon. Matthew 21, 22. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe it. You shall receive it. There's a key word. Believe. We're going to deal with it in a moment. But notice this. Go through the Pauline expressions and see if you find it. He never tells a believer to believe. Paul never tells a believer to believe. He doesn't use the same words that Christ had. He builds upon those words, which is the precept of this ministry, building upon the firm foundation of the Word of God with fresh revelation. If Paul would have been satisfied with those words, we'd have never received the Pauline epistles, which is the greatest revelation we have in this New Testament, other than the very words of Christ themselves, alive to him now. Paul used that as a jumping place. He jumped up with that faith and went to the higher level, to the higher faith. So what does this contrast reveal? We are believers. We're believers. There's a different level of believing that God is and believing that God is in you and God is in me and that we are in him. That's a different level of belief. The first belief is, if you will, it's your ticket to come to the dance. But that ticket isn't going to have you be successful in the dance. It's that says, I'm a believer. Remember the song by the monkeys, I'm a believer? It just flashed in my head. Forgive me, Sonny. I almost started singing it. Reset. That's what happens when you've been around music all your life. Good stuff, bad stuff, any stuff. It's uh, we 
are believers. The essence of God, the very breath we were talking about, which is the nefesh of God, wasn't breathed into us just to have physical life. It was breathed into us to have spiritual life. And so we are betwixt two worlds. We have citizenship in heaven just like Jesus did, which means that the words of the Father are our words. Jesus said, I'm not speaking to you my own words. I'm speaking to you the words of the Father. And the things I do, you shall do also. And the things that you say shall come by the Holy Spirit inspired inside of you. That's the language of the believer. That's the inheritance of the believer. It's about having partaken of the divine nature. Hmm. The divine nature. The very essence of God. Peter said it. We've partaken. We're partakers of the divine nature. It's not our nature anymore unless, unless we make it our nature anymore. So we had the faith to get into the family. And once we got in, some people taught us to move further on and other people wanted to keep us just where we were at. Some people have said the Holy Spirit was for another time. Oh, my Lord. What was that time? Was it that little small fraction of time that Jesus was on the earth or that the apostles were there and God extinguished it? And the very words of Jesus itself aren't there. John 15, 16, Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. <laughs> I love that one. I didn't choose. I thought I did. I mean, when I first confessed Yeshua HaMashiach as my Lord, I thought I chose him, but it didn't take for long for me to understand he chose me. And all I was was put in a place where I only had a 50-50 shot. Choose him or reject him. But he chose me. So that I would bear fruit and that you would bear fruit. That's the kind of faith he wants out of us. And so I want to move on to this and try to close as fastly as I can. A faith that does not transition as the heart of the believer is a faith that's stuck in the old. It must be settled in our hearts, not just our minds. Mind faith will fail you all the time. Mind faith can become double-minded very quickly. Mind faith is subject to the words of the doctor, the words of the judge, the words of somebody else who doesn't have the kind of faith to take you to another place. Mind faith is subject to our minds and our minds are the soulish realm. And our soulish realm is so influenced by our emotions, by our senses, by our circumstances. If we enter into change, thinking we have it settled in our mind, we will soon be in the tempest of the storm without an oar. We will still be in a place where we're looking just to find a way out, not a way to overcome. You have become an instrument of the faith of God. Let that settle into your spirit a moment. You are an instrument of the faith of God. You're not just a participant. You're not just a believer. You're not just somebody who is striving to say the things of faith. In essence, you are faith, just like you are a child of God. You can't separate faith from God. You can't separate the goodness of God from God. 
You can't separate the sovereignty of God from God. In fact, all that God is, God is, and nobody can diminish him. Nobody can qualify him. He himself is himself. I am, he says. But here's the miracle of our faith. He has now become all of that in us. And so we are faith. We are healing. Think about that a moment. We are healing. We are healing. He didn't say to beg. He didn't say to go through some series of things to speak to a mountain and to a problem. He said, tell it. Tell it. When you get right down to the bottom language, speak to it. Tell it, go. In Jesus' name. That means you are that authority. You don't just have authority. You are that authority. I don't have to ask somebody when they say to me, would you ask God if you could pray for me to heal me? I said, well, no, he'd get bored if I asked him that. He would look at me and say, what's the matter with you, son? You don't understand who you are. I said, I'm going to pray for you. And all the time when somebody comes to you afterwards and, you know, maybe it didn't work. Maybe they died. Maybe they didn't get healed. Maybe they got healed and lost their healing. They always want to put you to the question, well, what do you think happened? I don't know, but I know who I am and I know who he is and I'm not changing. And I'm not going to try to debate what God does and what God doesn't do. I'm going to stand in who I am in Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And that righteousness gives me all that God is. Now I want to close with these scriptures. And this is a Bible teaching, but I think it'll bless you. It's one that you've known for a long time comes out of 2 Kings, and it's about the widow with the oil, is it not? Are you putting it up for me, Ralph? You don't have it. Your computer's down. It is. Well, see, Laura Lee thought there was going to be a problem with the, the music. The problem's with the computer. It's not with the music. So, let's go to 2 Kings. And I want you to, I'm going to paraphrase this for you as fast as I can. 2 Kings chapter 4. Maybe that's why it's not up. It talks about vessels, correct? Are we vessels? We're vessels. Are we vessels? It's talking about you and I. This was prophetic. So it's talking about vessels. It's talking about empty vessels. Mm. Got to empty yourself out in order to get filled. That old wine sack doesn't hold very well. You got to get rid of that bad stuff that we still call new wine. Huh? Old new wine. Hey! My Pentecostal old new wine. It worked for me in 1962. I think I'm going to do the same thing today. It worked for Elmer. Azusa Street. I want Azusa Street again. I wasn't there, but I want it now. I don't want Azusa Street. That's old wine. I want the new stuff that God has now, the Holy Spirit. I believe that if God were to somehow want to bless someone like me, I've told you many times that if there was been such a thing as a diagnosis of ADD when I was a kid, they would have probably said I had it. No doubt about it. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known any better. Nobody knew what it was. You know what, you know what the answer was to them was the principal with a big paddle with a bunch of holes in it. That's the kind of ADD I got. I think that if God were to be challenged about his creativity, I think he would say, 
Quit doing the same old thing the same way. I get bored with you. Don't you think God loves to have a new challenge with us? Don't you think He loves it when we challenge Him a little bit different and a little bit more and step out on the water a little further? Don't you think He likes it when our faith gets a little more radical? Don't you think He likes it when changes come upon us so subtly and we're put in a corner that we only have two choices, give up or but God? Give up or but God? The vessels were empty. What did He tell them to do? First of all, remember this. She'd been married to a prophet. So the woman had some good bones. She was in a she was in a system in a home where her husband was a prophet. Doesn't say who he was or what he did, but he was a prophet. And so she went and found the mind, the major prophet. She probably went and found somebody that she knew could deliver. So she goes and she finds Elijah. And what's he tell her to do? He tells her, she comes to him just crying out because the creditor that she got left with, that she can't afford to pay. She had no income. She had no wealth. She had nothing. The creditor let her know. It's like the mafia. I'm going to come and get you today. I'm going to come get your kids. I'm going to take your two children. They're going to work for me now. The lady cries out. That's pretty good, isn't it? I see, I see, I see Gio laughing. You ain't got a nose like that, Gio. See that, see that brother? Yeah. He's on his way to get her children. You know, mama was okay with scrounging and scrubbing and cleaning toilets, doing whatever she had to do to feed her family, but they were coming to get her boys. She goes to the prophet. She cries out. It's going to take my children into slavery. They're all I have left. They're all I care about. I don't care about the rest of them. She's desperate. She cries out for God. And Elijah, as crazy and ADD as he was, What's he do? He says, what you got in your house? So I only got one pot of oil. He said, then go get some empty pots. And by the way, borrow them from your neighbors. What? What? That would be like me calling Bruce up, say, I'm all out of gasoline. Give me your empty gas cans. You're going to say, what do you want empty gas cans for? Let me go put some gas in it for you. She got the empty pots borrowed. These vessels are borrowed. We didn't pay for them. We didn't prepare them. We didn't empty them out. We think we do. We think we say all the time, empty me out, Lord. But boy, I'll tell you what, if you've ever been bled out by the Lord, you know it's him who empties you out. I try sometimes to empty myself. I don't even get close. But boy, when God does it, he does a good job. He turns me upside down and inside out and empties me out. And then he tells her, bring them in and start pouring. Interesting. Before she pours, he says, close the door. Have you ever thought about why close the door? Because he, she didn't want, he didn't want her to be subject to the environment. He didn't want her to conform to the neighbor who looks out and says, what are you doing? He didn't want her to have any, any kind of distraction just shut the door. Now it's between you and my faith. Not her faith. She didn't have any faith. She came. Her faith was just coming to him. That's the level of faith that comes to Jesus. It was Elijah's faith that pulled God down from heaven. Close the door. Pull God down from heaven. Empty. Pour into those borrowed vessels. 
And guess what? Her capacity ran out because the borrowed vessels ran out. I'll bet you while she was pouring and pouring and her son said, we're all out of vessels, Ma. She probably said, darn, I should have got a couple more vessels. Look at this oil. This is the best oil. This is like water turned into new wine. This is good stuff. Elijah didn't even witness it. He went on his way. It was up to God now. He released the word of the Lord. She sold the oil, paid her debts, and her sons were saved. Sons were saved. Beloved, it's in the heart. With the heart, we believe. Not with the mind. And out of our mouth comes the emissions of the heart. This is where we settle it, right here. We don't settle it in our mind. Our mind conforms to the heart. We put it here and we shut the door. Shut the door. Nothing's going to move my heart. You know how I pray sometimes? I ask the Lord, first of all, to keep me from fumbling my words. And then I say, Lord, when I do, let me capture them as quickly as they come out wrong. And I get this visual. I get this negative thing coming out of my mouth and all of a sudden it's like, I grab it and slap it. Because those words have power. They have a lot of power. And the enemy only has power for my negative words that I release. He has no other authority. Whether you believe it or not, not one of you is Job. Huh? If you believe in God, you're not Job. Christ has paid the price. You're Jesus in this world with him in you. That's who we are. That's who he is. That's what we believe. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we seal it with this prayer? This prayer has more meaning to me every time I look at it. It comes out of Paul in Ephesians 1. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus, as all of you know. And he's trying to get some things straight with them. And this is what he says, Ephesians 1, verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. I make mention of you in my prayers. These are my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Notice how he takes it beyond, yes, you believe in God, but I'm praying that he gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in him. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Dwell on that. The riches of the glory of your inheritance as a saint. Know it. Embrace it. Eat it in the word. Live it. Confess it. Relish in it. Take joy in it. Own it. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power?
power toward us who believe. You already believe. You don't need to become a believer again. You're a believer. All that richness is yours. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. Notice he changes the tense. According to the working of Christ, who already did it. It's not something that's progressive where you have to earn it or whether Christ is even going to earn it for you. He already did it. The author and the finisher of your faith. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Amen. It's a good prayer. We're going to end with that one. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you let this word settle into our spirit. That, Father, that we just don't hear it. And we go beyond receiving it. We make it part of who we are. And that, Father, we will not let go of it. And you remind us, Holy Spirit, remind us, bring us back to the scriptures, to the word, to the prophetic words of Christ that were for us and were for the born-again believer. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are the living God and that you live in us and that you've chosen to, to occupy these vessels and to fill these vessels with a capacity of abundance if only we allow you, a capacity that can never run out a capacity that as often as these vessels can receive, they receive. Let us continue to be thirsty and passionate and to give out what you give us, to pour it out upon others, to pour it out into our own lives, to pour it out in whomsoever you call us to, Father. Give us that passion. Give us the zeal of the Lord in that basis. And we thank you, Lord, just as we did earlier. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. I'd like to take an offering. I know we stretched it a little long. Sorry, I did my best. Um, hard to interrupt the Lord in worship when God is moving. I don't want to do that. I can't do that. We can't do that. We worship. And uh, I just want to thank the worship team. I want to thank Pastor Leanne and Sonny and Jeff and Walt. They, uh, they're, they're reliable. They're on it. And they prepare themselves every hour, every day to be able to lead worship. As you're receiving your envelope, if you'd like one, just put your hand up. If you're writing a check and you're online, you can send it to us at Touch Heaven. 10 Skyline Drive, Canfield, Ohio, 44406. Or you can go on the website, touchheaven.com, and you can donate there. You can text to give. If you have a credit card, then same thing. It's just Touch Heaven. We thank you for it. Um, our missions are healthy and doing well. Uh, we don't have a, a separate mission offering. What we do is we tithe out of our tithe. And God just keeps allowing us to bless and bless and bless. It's a vessel that never runs out. 
and we thank God for that, which means that those blessings are flowing to all of you who participate in that. So thank you for that. Thank you for your tithe. Thank you for your obedience to God in your lives, not just with your tithe, but in your lives. You know, obedience is better than sacrifice, right? And when you obey God, and when we walk in obedience to the righteousness of God, how about that scripture? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I will add all other things unto you. Isn't that a good promise of God? God bless, that's a great promise of God. We don't have to beg, we don't have to plead, we just obey. Trust and obey, great old hymn. We just obey. We just obey God. And all the promises open up in ways we never considered and never thought of. Bless God. Have we collected the offering? I want to pray over it, please. Thank you, by the way. Pastor Rich, thank you for being here, you and your beloved wife. Thank you so much. You honor us in this house. We thank you for that. You honor us in this house. Bless you. Father, we thank you for this offering, Lord. We lay it on, this, on the altar to you. We ask you, Lord, to just receive it as a fresh incense, to transform it, Father. Even as Malachi said, we are testing you in this, Father, every week, not because you need to convince us, but because you told us to, so we do it. Open the windows in heaven, Father. Let them fall upon your people. Fill their storehouses. Bless the one who gave and the one who couldn't give equally. We share in it, Father. Bless those online with us from wherever they're at. We thank you, Father, to deal with the needs according to your riches in glory. And my, how rich they are and abundant. We bless you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Bless you, Lord God. Tuesday night, um, we're coming together. I probably have a brief word. We're going to be praying. We're coming down to the end of this election cycle, and uh, we just want the Lord to just solve it and resolve it. One of our prayers ought to be that no matter what some people think, uh, that we don't run into a whole bunch of chaos after this election. Yes. That's what we want. Yes. And um, I just got a, uh, uh, a text message, and I, if he's watching, I want to say hi to you, Mark Fisher the senior editor of the Washington Post, right before I went on, as I went back to my office to put my microphone on, and he said, Frank, the article's posted, and it'll be up and published uh, by tomorrow. I don't know uh, what he wrote from what he interviewed me with, but I'm believing the guy, and, and from the, my heart and my prayer, as he was trying to sort out the differences and the discouragement on the nation, I said, my heart and my prayer is that as the body of Christ, we do what we're supposed to do that we help to bring healing, that we preach healing in this nation, and that we preach that our hope and our trust is in God and in Jesus Christ, and that we as leaders and as believers, we need to be the ones that have the light and the darkness. We need to show more forgiveness, more love, more compassion, more understanding. I don't know what will come out. You're welcome to go online and see. Uh, he's quite an impressive guy. He got two Pulitzers and some other stuff. Not the typical, uh, you know, rogue for some of you that are listening and like to write about me that I deal with all the time. I still love you, but I know who you are. 
and you know who I am. Bless the Lord. Amen. So Tuesday, and keep it in prayer. You know, let's pray. You know, I'm not going to be unabashed about this. You know, I'm very fond of Lindsey Graham and the stand that he's taken on many things. I'd like to see Lindsey win. He's in a, a real, real battle. So, you know, you might, you probably don't even know the other guy. So just trust me on him, will you please? If you're not from down there, you don't even know who that guy is. He's probably a nice guy, but he's not pro-life. And I vote up and down the ballot pro-life. I'm unabashed about it. I'm pro-life. All the rest of the garbage and all that other stuff, if we had it our way, we'd throw all the politicians out of Washington, maybe keep a few, right? And we'd certainly clean out a lot of the Supreme Court and maybe keep a few. But it's not up to us. God's the one who puts them in place. But the one thing it is up to us is to vote for life. That's up to us. And that blood is on the hands of some. And I'm not unabashed about it. Pro-life. Pro-life. The shedding of innocent blood of unborn children must stop. It's a curse upon this nation and a curse upon the body of Christ. Because a lot of the body turns its head and gets fooled by other stuff. So, let's pray.